All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk really quick about our sponsor, and that's Patch Chunky Shop. Uh, Patch Chunky Shop is an Etsy shop that specializes in uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags that you can stick your patches to. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's www.patchjunkyshop.com and use the promo code Salumis for 10% off of your order. Once again, that's S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. Um, I want to also talk about Skype. That is who we've been using as of late to do these podcast episodes uh, because we want to exercise caution and really pay respect to the social distancing and the different types of uh, rules and regulations that are going out there right now. Uh, we chose to use Skype to hold a lot of our episodes so Skype isn't the only platform out there that will allow you to do this kind of stuff. So if you have anything like Google Hangouts, if you have Zoom, uh, tons of other platforms out there that will allow you to connect with other people and really get whatever message that you have out there. Or if you just want to connect with any of your friends and loved ones, there's tons of platforms out there. But if you want a good example of one, Skype is what we've been using, and I highly recommend that. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, guys. Welcome to another FYFT episode of the Salumas Podcast. If you've ever heard our stories on religion, we speak a lot about people who have left or why one would leave the church. I've always had a fascination with people who, as adults, somehow make their way back to their belief system on their own volition because there seems to be a lot more reasons to not be in the church than there are to stay. At least that's what my mind tells me. But that's where Jeremy's story begins. Jeremy was someone who grew up in a heavily religious lifestyle, but grew away from it. He lived what seemed to be a pretty normal life and had his share of fun, but something seemed to pull him back. You see, finding your thing or finding your fucking thing, as we call in these episodes, doesn't have to do with a hobby or a passion. Sometimes it has to do with a feeling, an inexplicable feeling that seems to defy logic, but you know deep down it's a building block to everything else that you do, and while Jeremy is yet to find his thing, he believes that in order to get to it, he had to open himself back up and return to his faith with a new understanding of the world and of people that now allows him to fully immerse himself and become tapped into everything in and around him. And as someone who isn't a churchgoer, I've got nothing but respect for that. Jeremy is someone who I highly respect, so I'm glad he took the time to tell his story. So without further ado, I present to you part nine of our FYFT series, The Return Home. So uh, I don't know what the deal is. Uh-huh. With it. I'm just gonna go as is. So how's everything been, man? Wild. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know. Just strange times, man. I don't know what to think yeah. about it. It really is strange times. I think it's it's challenging a lot of people to to really evaluate a lot of stuff, and you know, and I've said it in multiple uh, episodes and and just in general it's it's really exposed a lot of people to a lot of their right. inefficiencies and to a lot of the the different comforts that we all uh that we all have and that we all take advantage of or take for granted rather and uh it's it's kind of like it's 
it's so crazy as I drive through the neighborhood and see so many cars parked over there. It's like, holy shit, I didn't know this many people like lived here. <laughs> <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah. So how, how have you guys been adjusting? Crazy. Man, we've, uh, for me, it's not been very different, you know, being a golf course superintendent, I've still been forced to go to work every day and I've had one day off actually. And it was more due to weather than it was anything. But, um, you know, with my wife, Candace being able you know, working from home as a photographer and then to also be a teacher to an eight-year-old and a five-year-old now. Yeah. Uh, she's pretty stressed out. Really? <laughs> you know, not, not being able to, you know, do her career. And um, she's got a lot of newborn sessions that she's had to reschedule or figure yeah. out different, different options. And even though we've been lucky and been healthy, we don't want to take a chance on, you know, being the ones that, to maybe have it and not know it and give it to somebody that's got a newborn baby or yeah. they'll bring it to our house or uh, something like that even. So, yeah. That's anyway. Have you had people that were like, come on, we'll just bring, we'll bring our baby over. It's no biggie. Yeah. Don't yeah, you want to punch him in the face, dude? It's like, bruh, are you kidding me? It's strange, man. Cause she, uh, yeah. she had a lady that was on her heart a week or two ago about it. Yeah. And she's like, she's basically finally had to just tell her like, look, you know, I, not that I don't want your business and I, you know, but she's like, I just don't feel comfortable. We don't know enough about this yet. More stuff yeah. coming out, you know, a week ago was a big change to what we are at now. Yep. And, uh, it's just, we don't know where we'll be another week from now or two weeks from now. And it's just, uh, yeah. strange. It's the only way you can put it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before getting into it, I just, I really want to thank you for, for taking the time to to do this with me here, obviously I, I would rather have you uh, sitting in here with my mics and all this other stuff. But yeah. uh, just like we've been saying, given the situation, it's really changed a lot of things. But in in a weird sense for me, it's actually allowed me to increase the reach of this podcast and really try and get people and, and sort of meet them where they are and um, uh, not have to sort of inconvenience anyone by having them come over here now granted sound quality suffers and stuff like that but yeah. as i've gone on and done this i've realized that it's really not about the it's not about the sound it's about the messages and it's about the stories and stuff like that so I, i'm very thankful to to have you jump on and i know this is something you and i've been talking about doing for a very long time so oh, it's wow. uh and truthfully it's only fitting that it's happening right now uh so <laughs> Um, it's strange, you, man, because I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts and stuff, and everybody's kind of like, all right, this is new. This is, you know, we just don't have a choice at this time, and yeah. it's awesome. Like, you know, I want to come to your studio and check yeah, it out man. and be a part of it, and I hear about your new equipment every time you get something new. <laughs> yeah. It must yeah. suck to have all this awesome stuff, and then, like, yeah, no yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It, I'm just like, this was a waste of money, but you know, this is how it goes. It's just how it goes. So yeah. I wanted to classify this episode as one of our FYFT episodes and you've heard of the FYFT episodes for, yeah. like, for people who haven't, that stands for find your fucking thing. And I, I call it that because I think that within all of us there is, or if you might be on the search for it or or you're just now sort of realizing that it might be there. Everyone has their fucking thing. And it's that thing that pushes you, that drives you, or that just makes you question everything. And so, um, you, you and I have talked about a couple of different things and, uh, and I like to have these not really follow any sort of a guideline or any sort of a script. 
So in typical fashion that I start these uh, episodes with, I'm going to ask you the first question. That's why are you here? Man, first off, I'm honored to be here. You know, I've, this Appreciate is something it. in the last, uh, last couple of years, you know, I've gotten in the podcast to the point where I don't listen to music. If I yeah. have a headphone in, you know, working on a golf course, I've got headphones in all day and it's just, I just catch up on everybody's yeah, yeah. stuff. But, uh, you know, that's, you know, I'm here, like, I know we've, we've talked about things anywhere from, uh, religion and I'm sure we'll get into that more. Yeah. Um, but you know, we, we talk a lot about bikes, you know, I'm mm-hmm. ask you a lot, of, a lot of questions about bikes and all these types of things, but, and, uh, you know, the FYFT stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. man, every time I hear you do an episode on this with anybody, whether it's someone that's in the books in the librarian, like the other day, or it's, you know, your buddy JP that's doing yeah. the golf stuff and all these people, it's like, man, what is my thing? You know, I'm yeah. 36 now and it's like, I should have a thing, but I've, yeah. I've always been one of these people that have 400 hobbies, but I've mm. never, it's like, I'm a, what do they always say? I'm a, uh, handyman at like all these things, but I'm yeah. not a master at one thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Master of no. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I feel confident in my abilities, whether it be on a golf course with chemicals and mowing and, you know, I built, I built clubs for a lot of years, just like, uh, your buddy does and yeah. I kind of got out of it just because I mean there's not a lot of money in it I ended sure. up pretty much doing stuff for friends for free or for uh-huh. just a few bucks to cover my cost and it started you know when I had kids it started turning into uh, go out and regrip two sets of clubs for three hours and not get to see my kids because somebody yeah. you know whoever's playing off the next day they want their clubs back like mm-hmm. hey can I get these back I'm going to drop them off to you at nine tonight we're going to play yeah. at six tomorrow. Can I get them oh back? Oh my you God. Know? And that's just how it goes, you know, any kind of industry or whatever. But, um, you know, it wasn't what I was doing for a living for money to pay the bills and stuff. It was just more yeah. of a thing for fun. And, um, that kind of just got out of hand to the point where I've got $3,000 worth of golf club equipment that either sits in my basement or at my dad's house. And we just kind of yeah. sit for our own clubs now. So, Golly. I guess that doesn't really answer your question too much because I don't really know why I'm here either. I'm just excited about <laughs> a bunch of topics, dude. <laughs> well, no, that's that's cool. I think I think why you might be here is what you kind of just said is that you don't know what your thing is, or maybe you're on the you're trying to figure out what that is. And for me, finding <clears throat> sorry, finding my thing was really hard because I would always think that it was some kind of a tangible thing or some kind of a act or some kind of a uh, task or job or something like that. And, and truthfully it, it never was, it was just for me. And I think for everyone else that, that has sort of found their thing or is on the, on the path of it, it's just a matter of finding something bigger than you. And I think that when you find something bigger than you, you, you're, the process or the quest, if you will, of trying to get there, like it's that part, that process means way more than the actual thing itself, because you realize that there's gobs of growth and you're going to run into problems and all the plans that you feel like you have are totally going to shit the bed. And, you know, people are going to come in and out of your life and there's going to be all sorts of shit happening, but you're going to see at the end that it's, it's more about the climb. It's more about that process. And so, 
you know, you and I have initially talked about um, about your about your faith, and you had said that you guys yep. sort of made the transition, and you recently came back to the the came back to the church. And while that may not be your fucking thing, that might have a that might have a play a little bit of a part in that process, possibly because sure. it, it might for some people. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that part. You know, uh, that's yeah. not very common for people, especially our age, to kind of come back to it. Obviously, we 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 live in the the Bible Belt where everyone pretty much grows yeah. up in in the church, and then you know the internet kind of happened, and you know a couple of Google searches, and we'll be like, hey, that shit's not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, exactly. Or you, yeah. you watch they, a couple of YouTube videos, and or you just see bad stuff happening in the world. And you're just like, wait a minute, how does this, how does this work? You know, and um, so I think for a lot of people, especially in the, in or out of the church, it's it's one of those things that's really really hard to understand and and hard to, uh, or hard to comprehend or hard to follow. So I want to know your story of how you sort of grew up in it, and if this story dealt like if it makes us take other directions into your thing, then so be it. So, but let's just start right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I should start by, you know, I'm six, five, 285 pound dude. Hey, all you fucking beta males out there that are lower (laughs) than six feet tall. Listen to his voice. guys. This is what an alpha sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I'm, I'm covered in tattoos. I got a big beard and you know, I care my own and I do my own thing. And, most people wouldn't think that I would be a Baptist preacher's son, yeah. but that's what I am. And that's what I have been, you know, my entire life. Um, I grew up initially in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, um, you know, my dad drove a hostess cake bread truck yeah. and he dated my mom in high school. And my grandpa's rules were if he was going to be with my mom, then he was going to, uh, he was going to be in church. And, you know, he was, he was called by God to be a pastor, and so I can't remember. I was one or two years old or something at that time, and uh, we moved to Clear Creek Baptist Bible College in eastern Kentucky. Yeah. You know, BFE, nothing time around. Out. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was young. I was, I think, in second grade at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, we, were, we lived there for four years, and then we moved to Sneedville, Tennessee, which is even smaller. I mean, yeah. there. I was like, this story is getting worse and worse, bro. It is. It like kind of goes <laughs> down and down. I guess the further east you go, it's rougher. And rougher. But you know, it's a. Uh, you know, you don't have a choice when you're a kid. You sure. you go. You're told and where your parents are going. And I know you've talked a lot about you know your dad and stuff. And <laughs> when you guys grew up, you know, I can remember Christmases when we were in Bible college, where you know my parents would come home with a black trash bag of presents that people would donate because, you know, none of the people had any money. You know, we've got my parents and, you know, a second grade and a fourth grade kid Mm -hmm. living in a one bedroom apartment. And my dad worked security at night just to, you know, help pay for school. And my mom worked in the office and, you know, it's just one of those things where they did what they had to do to get by. And, um, so he, he took his first church in Sneedville, Tennessee, little country church. Um, I'd be surprised there's 30 to 50 people at a time there, but it was just his first step. Um, After about a year of that, he got the opportunity to pastor a church in Rockville, Indiana, which is about an hour um, 
west of Indianapolis. So we were able to get back to most of our family lived in Indianapolis at that time. How old are you so, at this time right now? <clears throat> I was in fourth grade. Okay. So I moved okay. Back and what are your grade. thoughts on, on religion at that point? Kind of what a normal fourth grader is. Yeah, well, you not okay. so much. Uh, you know, when you live at a Bible college, um, everybody that's around you, they're being taught to be pastors. They're being theologically trained and studying. And everybody we hung out with were in the school. Also, their kids, you know, we, we all did the same thing. You know, we yeah. fly kites, play games and tennis, whatever we could do in this one little area. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful part of the country. You know, the Daniel Boone National Forest, that whole area. Yeah, it's beautiful over we there, were, man. Yeah, we were an hour from Gatlinburg, so we would go to, you know, Dollywood and all that. But, um, you know, it was a cool childhood. I didn't know that we didn't have money and that we struggled to put, you know, gas in a tank to get from A to B. But, you know, now looking back on it, like the struggles that we went through, you know, my parents never showed that to us that, that they were worried or that we didn't have something or that we were different or any of those things. They just thought that God would provide. And, you know, he always has for us and my family. I've seen so many times that, um, you know, situations would happen or things in the church would be needed financially and uh, physically. And somebody that had money or had stuff would just show up here. I feel, you know, so I've seen these things happen throughout my life. And I lived in Indiana from fourth grade through my junior year of high school. And in my junior year, my dad got called to a church in Kabul, Missouri, which is tiny. I mean, yeah. there's nothing there. I mean, there's like... Is it close to the Ozarks? I've been watching that show. It's, so. in, it's in the Ozarks, man. Where the Ozarks show is, is like an hour and a half away from where I oh live. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> That part in Ozarks is actually a really cool place. That lake really? is gorgeous. I've been there some, but oh, that's awesome. It was not. It was clay ground, rock, nothing yeah. grows. You either are a cattle farmer, or you know, some, that's about it. You know, yeah. but yeah. So I, you can imagine moving seven hours away from the place you were at school in from fourth grade to your junior year of high school. So I moved my senior year, didn't know a soul, and. um you know, I was resentful about it for a while. You know, I was big into golf and trying to get some scholarships and had an opportunity to, you know, I think could have played somewhere possibly, but, uh, you know, it just never worked out like that and mm-hmm. end up moving to Kabul, Missouri. And, you know, one of my best friends that was in my wedding to this day, Adam Skiles, we're still close. You know, we keep in touch. We don't see each other much because we're eight and eight hours away now, but, um, you know, it's just how life throws you these curveballs. Yeah. You never would have thought moving to a little podunk town, you'd still have friends. And after one year of living there, <clears throat> so, you know, we, we moved there um, to continue the story, I guess. And basically, you know, my dad took this Baptist church over there and, you know, we just immersed ourselves in that. All my friends were there, all that sort of thing. Well, I started and at you know, this age. You were 14, you said? No, I was a senior. Oh, you're a senior now. Yep. So I'm wow. 17. Wow. Yeah, I moved between my junior and senior year. Seven oh, hours that away. sucks. Yeah, it was rough, man. <clears throat> yeah. So, because I was fourth grade through my junior year in Indiana, and then junior oh, year I had to move that summer. Yeah. So, I, you know, so basically, man, I did, 
I don't know. I think that's the time. Like I started hanging out with a few of the guys that I wanted to be with and hang out with and they looked cool. You know, they were drinking and smoking bud and partying and driving the back roads and gravel roads. And, you know, that was like, that was what you do in a little tiny, you know, country town where there's no, it's like, all right, yeah, I want to hang out with those dudes because they're always doing something. So my parents didn't like that. Of course, they didn't want me to go and do those things and get caught up with the people that, you know, were making a name for themselves or people knew what they were doing. But I mean, that's what I did. You know, I started drinking and partying and smoking and hanging out. And, you know, obviously they, the girls were with them too. So I was going to follow wherever the girls were going. You got to chase the tail. I mean, you're, you're a 17 year old boy, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I graduated high school there and uh, stuck around that whole summer. Just didn't do much anything. I just, I didn't have any direction, but I tell you what, it was, I was like, I lived at home. I didn't have to have a job, but I worked a little bit, but I kind of just had it made. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents didn't keep tabs on me. I was with my friends. We stayed at my friend's house most of the time. His parents were cool and let us do what we wanted. So we just did whatever we wanted and mm-hmm. no questions were asked. And, uh, then I kind of just got to the point where I was, <clears throat> that was, you know, it was okay, but I couldn't see myself doing that forever. Okay. You know, to make something of myself or go somewhere and try something different. So I ended up going to Murray State. My grandparents. Ah, lived, that's what brought you here. Yep. So my grandparents live in Murray, still do. And uh, so I got into Murray State, went there, lived in a dorm, and ended oh. up being. Oh, I'm was, sure it was fucking lit. Uh, Dude, it was, well, it was intense because, you know, here, a white country boy, Baptist preacher's kid living in Podunk. I moved with this black dude named Chris from Louisville. Yeah. That was a big star athlete and stuff. I don't, you know, I've been around a few black people at this time, but it, you know, we didn't have very many. We had one or two in my school. You know, it was never, you know, I wasn't used to living with the guy and like (laughs) all his friends were in our room. And I just jumped right in, man. Like, yeah, like, yeah, all the black girls like being around me. I always like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like it's nice. You have that novelty everybody. status, man. Yeah, man. It so was now you know what it's I like being a white guy with all these football players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Hung now out you know what it's like. Being like you, you, you're like my size. You walk into a room and they're like, oh, this big old black dude. And then I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? And they're like, yeah. oh, shit, he's a unicorn, you know, so like. You're like the unicorn, so I'm sure you got all the invites to the barbecues and shit like that, didn't you? Oh yeah, for sure, man. It was, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just—it was a weird uh, situation, though. Like for me to go from one extreme to the complete opposite of anything I had ever done or been around. You know, I went and did everything with them. Some of them were, you know, in black fraternities, Q's and A5s and all these things. And it was like, I mean, you know how that is. It's yeah. It's not like going to you know, the white frat party on Thursday yeah, night yes. at Murray State. They're certainly like, not playing Dave Matthews different. band out there. No, and it was, yeah. but I immersed myself in that, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it, and I'm still friends with a lot of those dudes now, and, you know, I think that that shaped me a lot. Like, I needed yeah. to leave home, and I needed yeah. to do something different and challenge myself. Not only did I have a good time, but I also had, like, a 1.4 GPA after that first year, so <laughs> needless to say. I that. 
Yeah, needless well, to say. What was going on with your faith at that time? You know, you were you were obviously the preacher's son and all that kind of stuff, and you're still live here. But was it like was it? And this happens to a lot of people, especially when they get into college, is that they take a couple classes or they just talk to a couple of people and they kind of they they hit you with like a lot of history and just a lot of shit that just makes sense. You know, I think that whenever you go into uh, whenever you go into an, a place like college at that age, especially 17, 18, 19 years old, you're a sponge and you're ready to take in any bit of information. I'm sure you've seen people who they'll they'll graduate high school and they're one way and then their first their freshman year of college hell even after their first semester after they take a sociology class or like a religion and society class or something they come back and a they think they know everything and then b they just have a completely different view of the world and that truthfully that's the college experience and i think and that's what that's what has a lot of people or that's a point in a lot of people's lives where you start to question things and you start to yeah. be like, hey, is this, did this really happen? So what was going on in your head as far as those kind of ideas? Man, honestly, I was, I think I was the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, just, I didn't think about it. For really? the first time in my life, I didn't have to go to church. My mom wasn't waking me up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's like my whole life when I lived with them. You know, she wasn't forcing me to go. I was making my own decisions. Um whether they're the right ones or wrong ones a lot of those times, I don't know. But I just didn't think about it. For the first time, I didn't have to be there. And I just kind of took advantage of kind of laying low and doing what I wanted to and um, sleeping in on Sunday mornings. And, like, I wasn't challenged by, um, you know, atheism or, you know, Catholicism or any of these other kind of religions or anything that were different than what I grew up with because I wasn't around any of those type mm-hmm. of thing. The classes I had that were um, religious at all, you know, by this time, I'd already made my religious decisions. I'd already grown up in a church. Um, you know, you, when your dad's a pastor, and my mom's very smart biblically and, you know, knows as much, if not more than my dad about the Bible and God and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's like, whenever I've been around that my whole life, I've just kind of always taken it for granted that, um, you know, I've just never questioned it, um, <clears throat> which is strange to say now, because now at my age, I find myself questioning things, but I'm in a church where it's allowed to happen. I don't know. Yeah. I know you talk to Adam a lot, and, yeah. uh, you know, and when we started going to Broadway a few years ago, we sat in this class for a few months and, you know, the whole class was about, you got questions? Cool. Yeah. Really? Let's yeah. try to come up with an answer. And I'm like, yeah. what? Hold on a second. Wait, no, <laughs> this isn't Southern Baptist. Well, like, you know, what are some of the things you question, though? <clears throat> Just, I mean, it's nothing like I don't have any like major questions like, uh, Bible's fake. You know, nothing like that. Yeah, no. But, but stories, you know, um, I don't know, parables and things like that. Like, yeah. You know. Was this story, is this exactly how it happened? Because there are some hardcore Christians or Baptists or whatever religion you want to throw in there that think, this is what the Bible says, this is exactly how it happened. Yeah, yeah. I believe this because it's written down in paper. And then other people are like, no, that's a parable. They said this story, but it could mean this. Or mm. maybe it didn't happen this way, but it happened because of this or for this person or reason. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm... 
I'm like yourself. I love history and, you know, I, I get trapped in on the ancient alien shows and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like we found the Ark of the Covenant or we found Noah's Ark yeah. and all these things. And I'm like stuck for two hours on Discovery Channel. And then it turns yep. out that it's a mountain and nothing came out <laughs> yeah, of it. Nothing came out of it. Like somebody found a piece of wood in the desert and they say it's Noah's Ark, you know, but yeah. you know, and it, like I said, I don't have any like major questions. Like I don't question, you know, I'm saved and baptized. You know, I, I believe in heaven and hell and I believe all these things. Um, but if you don't or Joe Schmo doesn't or whoever, what's wrong with them coming to the church where you're supposed to be taught, um, you know, these biblical things and right and wrong and all these things. What's wrong with you saying, I don't know if I believe that. Can you explain to me why you believe this? And then yeah. they can explain to you and you can take it or leave it. You can be like, yeah. all right, well, here's what I have a problem with this or, but you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be one way or another. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, you know, like when people see Jehovah Witnesses riding their bicycles up to their house, they lock the door, shut the lights off, and hide in the yeah. basement. Why can't you open the door and just say, "Look, hey, I appreciate you stopping by. I know you've got a, you know, job to do and stuff here, but I just don't believe that way. Thanks for your time. Yeah. You know, but did I ever tell you everybody did, does, does a thing. Yep, and I don't, I don't know if I told this story on any of our other episodes, but we had. Um, there was like a the Mormon people that uh, maybe I did say it. I don't know. I'm gonna say it anyway. Uh, we had the some of the Mormon people come through, uh, and it was a I think they were Mormon. It was a it was a it was two girls or one guy and one girl. Maybe it was two girls. I can't remember. All I can remember is the girl. But the thing is, a very large population of of like Samoans or at least like American Samoa, like those those people are Mormon, and this uh so this girl comes up to my to my house and bro this broad is she's a tank dude like a tank man just like just <laughs> stacked i mean just like it's 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 so weird the way i describe her is the way that like in the 1800s someone would describe like a big strong slave you know what i'm saying i'd be like look at wow. the calves on this woman God! <laughs> you know? like a big linebacker yeah dude. <laughs> and, I, and so <laughs> she comes in there trying to spread the word i was like i know this is gonna sound weird but do you want to have a baby? Like, look, I'm a big ass Nigerian dude. Like, can you just we don't have to stay together? We just yeah, we don't. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> it was, I had a laugh of it. It was awkward as hell, you know. Obviously, way before like you say that to her. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was, you know, oh, no. I was, I was just being funny, but I was also like, bro, if she said for, if she said yes, I'd be like, think of the success story that we could have here, man. Like, we can make yeah. mi aliens off of this kid, but um, yeah. obviously, it didn't happen. Um. But yeah, that's, that's second Zion Williams dude, out there. Oh my god. It would have been it would have been beautiful, man. It really would have. But I wanted to did you ever I don't know if you heard the the story uh or just my view on on faith and religion. Did you hear that one in the episode with uh, one of ours with Adam? I'm sure I have, but I don't recall at this. Okay. Time. So exactly my view is is kind of it's kind of different. So, you know, obviously, like I like, you know, I did grow up in, in the church and my dad was a Presbyterian um, minister and stuff. But when yeah. I was when I was younger, you know, I thankfully I was able to have good conversations with him. And so when I was about 19, no, I think it was actually 21. Yeah, I was 21 because we were having a beer together. And um, I asked him, I told him, I was like, you know, I don't I don't think that this is something that I want to do anymore. 
I don't think that I have the same thoughts about religion and and stuff. Like I really want to try and go. Still minister at this time. Do what? Yeah, yeah. Was he still minister at this time? Uh, at this time, he was still very, very involved in in the church, uh, and yep. so he was just like uh, he said, "You'll find your way, one way or another," and that was that was what it was. And you know, and I and I talked wow. about different things that I didn't understand or didn't re- it's like. Ah, oh, this doesn't make any sense. You know, you think of things like like Noah's Ark, and you're just like, "Bitch, you didn't build that boat. Come on, bro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you just you think of stuff like that. And it's like, come on, bro. You didn't do that. You didn't do that shit by yourself." Uh, or it's, it didn't have all this many animals, but you know, I just, I think of different things like that. And then on top of the fact that, um, you know, you hear stories like the story of, of Jesus's life or just that story is repeated in different religions. You know, that's something that that's a common sort of theme. And so I, I thought about that stuff. And then I also was just like the things like the Bible were written and and even Adam said it. He said history was written by. I think he said I, I, we were saying that history was written by the winners, and the people who have the capacity to read and have the military yep. have all this stuff. They're the ones that can change the course of history. You know that's why you you look at our history books and it's just a highlight reel of just people like Americans or Europeans just whooping everyone's ass all over the place. You know what I mean? And so it's. It's very to me. It just seems like that same thing is right there. But what I also thought was that there's there are certain one of the things that we do with with God or with any other deities that we apply human emotions to them. And I think that that's one of the worst and one of the most dangerous things that you can do is to attach human emotions to something that is so powerful. My my vision of a God should think on a way better plane than I ever could even imagine. And so thinking, and so for me, I'm just like, everyone gets different chances, if you will. Like, it seems very human to punish someone, knowing that that we're all incredibly fallible. You know what I mean? And I, I, can, I sooner will agree with the idea of a fallible God, or maybe there's perfection in the imperfection. Uh, you know, and maybe the God is the balance that is going on. You know, the very second that a miracle baby is born, someone's getting the news that cancer or is going to wreck their life or some boy or girl gets yeah. raped and the very same second someone's life gets saved. You know, it's it's that type of balance that is above my level of comprehension. And therein lies that one thing that I cannot understand or cannot put a number to. And I think where yeah, a lot of us, <laughs> exactly, yeah, but I think where a lot of us get it wrong is that we try to, we treat things like religion or things like God, like is one plus one equals two. And that's not how it is. I think that faith is, one plus one equals four thousand eight hundred and ninety-seven, and it's it equals that for this very second, and it's supposed to be something that's malleable, something that's ever changing, and it's yep. you know one of the things that we also talked about on this episode. We had a, a guest on on here named Caleb, and he, he said something that was extremely profound, and he said that the the depths of your of your faith should scale with the depths of your doubt, and I think that the people that like if you if you love something, if you believe in something, you should be comfortable enough to question it because you obviously want to be able to make it better. You want to make yourself better within that construct. 
So I've always thought that we should be questioning things. And I've always thought that it's it's a dangerous idea for us to put human emotions onto something like God, because when you do that, you get planes flown into buildings, you know, you get yeah. crusades, you get yeah. all this other kind of shit. And it's just like, if, what if we just left it alone and it's just like focused on some kind of an energy that you can't explain. Some people would call that the Holy spirit. That is peaceful enough because I, I believe that you, someone could experience that all over the world and it doesn't matter if they read a Bible at all. There's always this one thing within all of us, and as far as especially within our humanity, where it's like we've all had this moment where something is felt and you cannot explain it, but you also know that you needed it. You know that it was it was right there for you. You know what I mean? And so at least that's and therein lies whatever it is. But again, for me to put a label on it, to put a face on it, to draw a picture of it, that's kind of silly to me. Hard. You know what I mean? And when with questions come learning, you know, yeah. whether you like it or not, when you question anything, you learn whether it's what you wanted to know or not. And that's yes. that's tough, man, because, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get in to turning the TV off and sitting the phone down and reading more books and trying to actually do more things. And, um, man, it's tough because the stuff I enjoy to read, I enjoy reading things, you know, on – Indians, American Indians, yeah. or building cabins in the woods, or you know, foraging for dry land fish, mushrooms yeah. in the woods that you can eat. You know, it's like that stuff entertains me. I can sit down for an hour or thirty minutes and tune my kids out that are playing next to me yeah. and concentrate for a chapter, and then like go right back into life. Yeah. But sitting down and reading the Bible like a good Christian should, air quotes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard for me. Like it's, it's so boring. Man, it's, <laughs> and there are there are chapters and stories and all these things that I can get into, and I read them, and I'm like, all right, I've retained that. I understood that. Yeah. Or I could read the next day for 30 minutes, and I couldn't tell you two words that I read yeah. because it's so you know the the words or the names or the places and all the you know. But that's I think a lot of it has to do with me. Like when I got out of college 12 years ago. I gave up on trying to like learn, like sit down, study, retain, you know, I gave up on that sort of thing. It's just like, I have to do math now when I'm calculating chemicals to apply mm -hmm. on the golf course or whatever, but I don't want to do that every single day. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I do those things sure. and I'm glad I learned them at one point in time, but now I try to like get quality over quantity. And yeah. so, I mean, I want to read, and I want to read the Bible and I want to like be able to sit down and do a Bible study and learn it and stuff. But I mean, I just don't learn like that. Yeah. I learn from hands on. I learn from asking questions or having other people question. And man, it was strange. We sat in this class at Broadway when we first started going and this dude was in our small group table with us and he was a military guy, been overseas a bunch. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the smartest biblical people that I've ever like met in my life. And this dude, was an everyday Joe yeah. to your face and stuff, but he just had, he would question things in a way that it was like, holy cow, I've never heard yeah. it put like, you know, just yeah. random, random things. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it wasn't so much question as it was explaining like, Hey, I've been around, I've been on this earth for 50 years. And mm -hmm. I just realized that this story pertains to this. And you're mm -hmm. like, holy crap, I guess it does. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying a minute ago about like, um, 
a physical being that you can touch, feel, maybe something like that, or I don't know. I mean, I've heard you talk about Megan Davidson passing yeah. away, you know, a few different times, but you never met her. And, yeah, you know, we're fortunate enough to be friends with her and go to the same church as her and my wife, you know, did pictures for them and mm-hmm. uh, knew Megan pretty well and stuff. And I heard somebody say not long ago, you know, I don't remember how they put it, but it was like, everybody has a thought of heaven being this place up in the clouds that we're going to go to if you're saved and all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, But what if heaven is here on earth as we are now, but it's just like a veil that we can't see. Yep. And it's like, if you feel something like you feel like somebody's there with you or a leaf blows by or somebody sees a bird chirp a certain way and they're like, Oh, that's my dead grandfather talking to me. You know, it's like, and man, that hit me. I was like, Holy cow. What if that is, what if that yep. is how it is? Because, I mean, we all want a better place and a land of no pain and no yeah. one knows torture or any of these things. But, oh, man, it's just crazy. Like, my that, brain that, can't understand it. <laughs> and that, and I think that's the, that's the beauty and the terrible part about it is that it, it's very human for us to want to um, believe in something bigger because we're, we're naturally – we're we're naturally sort of, if you want to call it predisposed or conditioned to be led um, and to, yeah. to feel like we're either in control or controlled by something. And, um, you know, I've to that to that comment that you said about about heaven, you know, on the episode on our very first episode that I had with Adam, I told him uh, I gave him a quote that that from a song and they said that heaven's not a place that you go when you die. It's that moment in life where you actually feel alive. And you can sit there and mm-hmm. think of all the different times, like when was the last time you really, really felt alive, like in tune with the world, in tune with every single thing. It doesn't happen that often to us where we no. where we feel 100 percent tapped in on a different level to other people. And like it's kind of when I it's it's part of the reason and I've said it a billion times in different episodes why I go in mountain bike because or or just get into nature it's that level of, of insignificance. And I sound like a broken record when I say it, but I, I stress to everyone that if you want to get close to to whatever you might think a God is or faith or just, just I don't know, to the universe, step outside into a place where if you did anything significant, that shit doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. And it's, it's daunting. Yeah. Like, if, you know, in the last episode we have Lindsay, she says – where she lives there's no lights and so she can look up at the sky and see every single star and just realize like none of my shit matters so that's me when i go out on the trail and i just see these trees and i'm like dude this nothing i do nothing i could ever accomplish matters out here because this place is going to go on without me you know exactly if you're here or not it's um, yeah you know that that day is still present the next day i mean as far as i know you know i used to i used to believe in karma i used to always say you know the the age-old tale oh it's karma you know i don't want to do this because of karma or that i don't know if i believe in karma anymore i don't know if i believe in luck anymore or any of those things or you know you make your own luck or all that i think you just you just do what you do and i mean i i don't think my dad would like me saying that you know but you know i as but you say that, time. I'm sitting here like, how many times has he said that he's blessed? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, it's it's weird, man. Like because I, you know, I believe in God and His Son Jesus and all these things. You know that the stories and all this, like I believe in it and stuff. And when people tell me, "Oh, it's wrong," you know, whatever, whatever you know, I'm like, well, I also hear the argument of, well, what if it's right and yeah. you die and there is a heaven, no, or I somebody says yeah. they don't believe in that, and they're yeah. like, well, what if there was nothing and you could have been? I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. You know, before we started join or join Broadway Methodist and, um, you know, found these group of people that, you know, like every time you have Adam on, he flips up and drops the cuss word. And it's like, it, you know, dude, is it, he's the real the guy. Is it slipping up? Because we, we when we talk to him, it's just like, is he point. slipping up? And it's like, no, Adam's always just been Adam. You know, yeah. and when we asked him, and that's why Chris and I like him so much, is his authenticity. Like, I I think that if you're someone in the church and you hear Adam say shit or, or damn or something like that or hell, you're just like, oh, okay, he's like me. I, I am more connected to people that are like me because it feels a lot better. And, you know, I've always thought if I were to ever and I have no I have no problems going into a church or something like that. But it's people like Adam that I that I would be like, man, I'd I'd love to to hear more from him or just to talk with people like him. And so, um, yeah, it, I think that he is the type of person that is sort of needed to connect with a lot of people who aren't in the church, because I think that the um, it, it is very it's very natural for us whenever whenever bad shit happens. And this is going to kind of lead to a question I'm going to ask you whenever yeah. we're faced with our with any conflict that seems to be bigger than us or when we're faced with our own mortality, it's very natural and very human to try and, you know, pray to whoever is going to listen or to try and, uh, yeah, yeah. Make promises, bro. Like, like so many things that, uh, that we do as, as humans just to sort of feel like something is, something is controlling us here, you know? Um, so I, that on that idea, I want to know what your story is like. What is, was there a defining moment that brought you back? Did something happen or were you scared about something or just doubting? Because, you know, like you said, people do have that idea of they say, what if yeah. you're wrong? And I think that's the worst way to get people into it. Yeah. And then when you I also did. use that, it's the worst way to defend something that you supposedly are, are so adamant about. You're like, so are you really in this? And I think that it's, Given the times that we're in right now, A, it is getting people to start to worry because they're faced with their own mortality and possibly dying from a disease that there's no cure for or anything like that. But on the yeah. other hand, there's those people who have who have gone to church every single day. They they are down to that routine. And when the building is not there, a lot of people are pissed off about it. A lot of people don't know how to react to it. And like that episode I said with Adam, it on, on at the very basal level – it's no different from me getting pissed about not being able to go to the gym. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm repetition. You, yeah. It's just repetition and things that we like, yeah. you know? And so, and you feel better about yourself, like as a churchgoer, Christian member, yeah. or whatever you want to put yourself into, you know, whenever you miss two or three weeks in a row and people notice that you miss, or they send you a Facebook message, Pressure, or they, man. when you go back to church and they're like, Hey, we missed you the last couple of weeks. It's like, man, well, on one token, you're glad people noticed that you weren't there. And on the other token, yeah. you're like, man, they noticed I wasn't there. You know what yeah, I mean? Because things come up. Like, if you got kids that are sick or 
I'm sick or Candace is sick or something. Yeah. Like it's not just one of us stays home and the rest go to church. Most of the time you all stay home and then you feel bad about it and your guilt. And I'm bad <laughs> about guilt suck? because of it. Too. You're like, I can it die does, tomorrow, man. man. Fuck, I'm going to go to yeah. hell if I miss the day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a strange feeling, man. But yeah, yeah I don't know, man. It's uh, I don't know what the right and wrong is on it. You know, I'm a flawed individual every Please single don't. day. I've got my vices and you know, I've, I've, I do things every day that I wish I didn't do, or I talk the way I wish I didn't talk or have a couple too many white claws when I should just be drinking <laughs> water, or, you know, and it's, a, uh, you know, and a, a thing I've struggled with, I've got for the last five or six years, I've got real bad anxiety, yeah. like basically a hypochondriac where I see a commercial about somebody on TV with cancer and I'm like, Oh, I've got those same symptoms. You know, they oh, start freaking them out so at the end. You don't fuck with WebMD then, do you? Cause oh, everything man, is no. cancer, bro. <laughs> I have that. I've Googled oh, myself to the point where I've been in a doctor's office three times a week. And you know, I've, oh. and it's just one of those things, dude, like yeah. I take medicine if I need it and stuff, but it's, I don't want to, like, I want to, I want to be normal as much as possible. And like, not feel those anxious feelings and nervousness and and you know i'm just finding out that through my anxiety it's put me more into uh just kind of doing what i want to do now and like this mm. whole time with quarantine and stuff although i'm still having to go to work i love being at home man like i like to be out in the woods and bow hunt and fish and do these things like so you know, it's cool with me to not be around people. Like I enjoy yeah. that, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, I have ambitions and I want to go on trips. And I want to go do things, but I don't like to fly anymore. I've done mm-hmm. it a hundred times, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. There's too many cool places that I can get to in a car that, uh, I can see the beauty of, you know, whether it's a religious type of feeling, like you said, seeing the stars and knowing that you are so small and you don't mean anything. Yeah. You know, the people that post these Northern Light pictures in Alaska and stuff, it's like, how do you explain that? Like, gases, all the stuff, it's it's just amazing, you know? And I don't know, dude, it's just trippy when to was the, put your mind like that. When was the last time you took a trip within yourself? What do you mean by that? Like, physically or? No, not like drugs trip. Like, I'm saying, like, like just like you really tried to sit with yourself and sit in yourself or you felt like you were like I was saying earlier where you felt truly tapped in with yourself and the in the world and just the universe in general has that ever happened to you I mean I feel like it has um but at the same time I feel like the only time I get that um is like when I'm 30 foot up in my in my deer stand at Mm. five o'clock in the morning I'm by myself and the wind's blowing and you know, the squirrels and all that stuff, you know, it's just when I'm alone and stuff, but those are also the times when my anxiety will get the best of me when I'm trying really? to enjoy it and be within myself and stuff. I let too many other thoughts in my head or I start thinking about what I got to do when I'm done hunting or fishing or whatever yeah. it is I'm doing. I mean, I just find it really, really tough to just relax anymore. So like, how do you like find so much going on? Yeah. How do you find peace in church then? Um, I mean, it feels right to me, um, because I've, I've done it my whole life. Um, since I had my kids, I want them to be in church, you know, right or wrong for some people. I don't know, but 
I had a great childhood. You know, I wanted for nothing. My parents love me. They're huge supports. And I call my dad and talk to him every single day. Like, you know, I've been fighting with a dryer that's been messed up. And I've talked to my dad three times a day about questions. You know, it's little <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, if I have a question about something I heard at church, I can call my dad or my mom and I can ask them, hey, here's what our pastor said. What's your thought on it? You know, uh, but when I'm in church, you know, and I know my kids are there, um, you know, Candace didn't grow up in church. So seeing her um, enjoy being there and learn and grow and want our whole family to be there together just makes me feel good. Like I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing for me personally. I'm not one to push it on people. I, I feel like I, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm a Christian or saved or go to church or any of these types of things, but I'm also super pumped that I go to a church now that I feel welcome and loved and I feel like it's my flaws are okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. look like the normal Sunday dress person, you know what I mean? I walk mm-hmm. in and I told you earlier with the beard and tattoos and stuff, I'm I look like I should be down at Tidballs instead probably. <laughs> you know, drinking beers and partying, but yeah. I had those times in my life that I enjoyed those thoroughly also. But, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it's, if you call it growing up or um, finding yourself a little bit more or just settling down. Like yeah. I enjoy settling down and, you know, that's what I'm looking for, man. I'm look, like I said earlier, I'm looking for quality time, uh, reading books, learning more. Everything I watch is either a documentary, excuse me, or some kind of like a show on history channel or, you know, I just, I just want more out of myself and yeah. I feel like I've let myself down by, uh, kind of being stagnant, you know, whether that be with my job, um, family life, all those things just catch up to you and you find yourself coming home and sitting on the couch for two or three hours and you accomplish nothing. You mm. know, I'm just tired of that. I mean, that's why I got the mountain bike and I want to be, force myself to get outside. I physically worked to buy this piece of equipment to hopefully make me physically better and to make my mind better outside. And if I've got money invested and it hurts my wallet to do it, I will use it. It's just like paying money to go to the gym. You know, I mean, every lifestyle has a cost of entry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, And you'll, you'll realize that, you know, even something like a mountain bike. It is, um, yes, there's the monetary cost and all that kind of stuff. But for me, the bigger cost is, dude, I got a big ass ego, man. All right. So like when I get put in check out in nature, dude, it sucks. Like it's, it's refreshing. It's, but it also sucks. If I'm out there too long, dude, I will, I promise you, I'll get depressed because I don't like feeling yeah, I don't like feeling like I don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, and deep. so, yeah, yeah, it's 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 just it's a thing of mine. But I know that it's a, it's a constant reminder that I need to be, and it sort of keeps me somewhat level. And so, I I do find myself though those moments where I hit a flow state. And Chris jokes on me because I talk about this shit all the time. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know if you remember Adam talking about I don't know if you remember the episode that we did with Adam, but I asked him about when when he feels like a, a moment of flow state. And he said it's not so much when he's preaching at church at all. It's when he's teaching like a spin class or when he's on the piano or something yeah. like that. And it's 
and it's so what I was the the message there is that it's whether it's whether it's God, whether it's any other thing, it doesn't have to be done within the confines or the walls of a church. If anything's going to show you that there is something possibly out there, this I feel like the same feeling that I get if I'm out in nature or, or working on some really complex problem and, and I get just completely immersed, that same feeling right. you can get when you're on the uh, – when you're in the up high looking – looking for deer or something also you owe me deer meat just in case but um like when you're up there and that hunting thing looking for a deer or something like that you're feeling the wind or if you're down at at church and you're you're feeling whatever it is that you're feeling i think that's all the same thing and so i wonder though if you haven't had an experience like that in the church how does that and again this is because in, in typical Salumas podcasting, we put everything through the grinder. So I'm going to yeah. ask questions like that. Like, do yeah. you ever wonder if the things that you're thinking and the things that you're feeling when you're at church are actually authentic? Man, I don't really. Okay. I, I think I, I think I don't honestly, just because it's been such a big part of my life okay. for my whole life. Um, you know, I'm like I said, I'm not afraid to question or to think about something differently or to, look up on Google people's thoughts on a certain topic or something. But, um, I mean, and it's not that I haven't, you know, like you said, hit that flow state while sitting in church and stuff, but I've definitely been sitting there and been, you know, spoken to, uh, you know, we call it by the word of God, like, you know, when the pastor or a song or something and, you know, I close my eyes and think about or dwell on what's going on or what they're talking about or the song or something or, and, you know, I just feel something different and yeah. it's not of myself. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I think it's you're not, one there of is, there's but, no, there's no way to explain it, bro. Like that's yeah. the beauty of it. <laughs> one plus and, one I mean, equals you know, 4,800 to you. <laughs> yeah. And that's the cool thing, you know, and it's like, um, I don't, I don't know, you know, the older I get and the more hobbies that I have, um, the more I think that man, woman, human in general are supposed to have more than one thing that they can get into that flow with and they can get yes. in do a rhythm. Like, why is it fair for you to only do, if you're a computer programmer, that's the only thing you're allowed to do and be good at. Yeah, that's exactly. not fair. What if your mind exactly. is in something completely different and you do yep. that to make a living to pay for you and your wife and daughter, mm-hmm. but you like four other things. You're not allowed yep. to throw yourself. You know, if you get really good at one thing, if you're a hundred percent good at it and you're only 40 at the other one, why can't you take a little bit from that hundred percent and throw it a little bit over there until you kind of eat, you know, and that's where I'm getting to. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't look at religion as, um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just weird for me because I, it's, it's a, another extension. It's, it's just part of, of your, it's like it's another not. limb for you. Right. Like yeah, it's just it's, another part of your body. And I think that's also where I think some people kind of get it wrong is because, or I say wrong, I guess there's no right or wrong or whatever, but in my opinion, I guess it's wrong, is that if it's real, if it's your thing, if it's your fucking thing, it's like your arm. It's like it's like your leg. But some people treat it like a Gucci wallet or a Lamborghini <laughs> where you flaunt yeah. the shit on people, and it's right. like that's not the way to do it. You know, because right there you're trying to make the status for what uh, – 
for what righteous or what good is supposed to be like is this. So then when you fuck up, everyone's like, oh, what, what happened, Mr. Holy Man? You messed up. You yeah. did all this shit. That's why I think yep. that society loves when preachers fuck up. They love when people. I mean, remember when that uh, flood went through, and oh, was it the flood down oh, in Florida? In that, oh, okay. Oh, Houston. Yeah, in Houston, in that massive—I uh, can't remember his name now—but that massive pastor like locked yeah. the doors to the church, and everybody. Joel Osteen, dude. dude. Yeah, that dude's got. Dude, that was a big dick power move, man. I was just like, yes. Like, what <laughs> just happened? And you know, know that was news more than it was all these families that just lost everything yeah and now we're wanting a piece of bread you know but it i don't know but i mean it's the i think that's why if you look if you go to you know to broadway and people see adam and they see the other pastors on staff there and the people that are teaching their kids in classes and stuff like they're real people like we see them at the gym you might see them in the drive-thru at the liquor store picking up a bottle of wine yeah. doesn't mean they're any different. Why can't they have a life? Why can't they go home and enjoy their family and their friends like we want to? It's okay to hold them on a pedestal when it comes to being smarter about a subject that they've learned a lot more about and can teach you something. That's no different than going to college and paying for professors, uh, you know, to do the same thing. Um, but, uh, you know, like with us, we go to the Greenwood campus and the pastor there is Laura Vincent and female you know, mm-hmm. Baptist Church, we don't have female pastors. Yeah. That was a huge thing for me because yeah. I didn't believe that was right for all my life. Like, not that it the wasn't females right. Females were just was, supposed to serve tea at the potluck. No. They were supposed to do nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> not that at all. It was just a matter of I've never been in a church where that was, you know, accepted for, yeah. you know, obviously I've had women as Sunday school leaders and things like that. And, um, but it was, we never had a pastor. And, you know, that was one of the things, one of the pills I had to swallow and just sit back and think, like, what is, in the grand scheme of my religion and my life, what does it matter? If she has gone to school or learned or learned under so-and-so and done all these things and knows a lot more than I do about it and is passionate about it and cares about me and my family and whether, you know, we're at church or not or have a relationship with God, I don't care if that's a man or a woman or a dog or whatever it is. If it feels right for my family and we're all together on it, mm-hmm. we can go there and we can be happy. And it's, you know, and I've got the support of my parents. I talked to them about it before we joined. Cause you know, I was like, look, they've been there with us. They've met her and everybody. And my, my dad and mom, they're like, look, if our grandkids and you guys are in church and you feel that you're learning and that you're at a place where you feel loved, we're excited. Like, we don't care where you go as long as you feel that it's right for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that means more to me because we can drive to Glasgow to my dad's church in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we do occasionally. But we wanted our own church home where we felt welcome. And that's where we're at now. You know, whether yeah. we go to the yeah. main campus and we see Adam uh, preach or we're at our church where there's only, you know, 100 and Laura's preaching. Mm-hmm. It's just that smaller, you know, country church feel that we really like and it's just yeah. it's not for everybody um, okay i don't know if religion's for everybody i would like to think everybody can um feel that something's more powerful than they are in this universe but people think differently man i don't know yeah. how it's easier to put it you know and yeah that's the cool thing with you all these times i hear you talk about religion in general 
you don't try to push one way or another. You ask these questions and you want to know people's thoughts and answers and reasons, but you don't force your, you know, what your thoughts and reasons are, mm-hmm. or they're not forcing you, you know, I'm not thinking less of you because you think one way or the other or anything, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. that's the cool part. Like, mm-hmm. why can't you question stuff? If you yeah. can have a pastor of a thousand people church, come on your show multiple times and sit down with you and accept any question that you give him. You're sold. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I appreciate <laughs> that. You know, one of the, one of the best things that I've, I've always wanted to, and to, that, that I had always wanted to ask any sort of minister. And I, and I asked Adam and he gave such a good answer because it, it was like, it was a non answer and he was comfortable with it. And it was just one of those, I don't know, I just hate it. Because I, I told him, <laughs> I said, because my name, my name is, uh, it's it's short for Kamalo, that's the God of Thunder, okay? So that's what my name means. And obviously, I, and, and I'm a first-generation American, so I we know where our names come from. We know the deities that are involved and stuff like that. So when I see African-Americans are that are so deeply involved in in their churches, all I can see is the master's religion because they wouldn't have known that if they weren't brought here on a ship. And right. so yeah. I had asked him, I was like, what, what are your thoughts on that? And he was just like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and it's it just, it, it's terrible that it happened, but I still think, and it took some time to really think about it. It's like, we all have different ways of describing that one thing that seems to be bigger than us in in Igbo culture that might have been it for for us in people that are in uh, regular Christian uh, Christian churches or Islam or anything they all have different ways of describing the same thing now how we go about teaching those messages how we go about if and I'm doing air quotes right now like enforcing these rules and stuff like that are obviously <laughs> going to be completely different but sure. that's the it has to be that way. Unfortunately, it, it has to be that way because yeah. I think that it's supposed to be fallible. It's supposed to be right and wrong, and it's supposed to cause a lot of problems. But therein lies that that discovery that and it's the act of that discovery. Yeah, we learned a lot about the church when when people are killing each other. You know, what I mean, I think that. <laughs> It's moment like it's chaotic moments like that where it really does put everyone through the through the grinder. And just like we say on our podcast, everyone loves sausage and bacon, but no one wants to see that shit get made. (laughs) And I think yeah. yeah, And I think that when you have when you find your when you really find your faith and and I and I've always I've always had a lot more truck or or not not I've, I have an equal amount of respect. But I've, I've had a lot more truck with people who have stepped away from the church and gotten back to it, especially when they when they see what it's like on the other side and they come back with some understanding right. and they're like, man, I get why these people don't like us, you know, like that seems yeah. to make more sense. And and so that's the that's why I say that finding your if if your fucking thing is your faith then finding it is like sausage and bacon, bro, because it's it's a messy process and it's it does come with a lot of doubt and it comes with a lot of stress and anxiety and just a yeah. bunch of other stuff and anger for a lot of people. Uh, especially, you know, there's there's people that are close to me, like 
like even my wife right now, she's um, we both have different views on on faith. But she she grew up very strict Catholic. And I and she is at a point where she's maybe she'll forever be that way. But at the end of the day, I don't answer for her. She doesn't answer for me, you know. But she's right. very, she's angry with it, bro. She's mad at the church, and she is rightfully yep. so, dude. Rightfully so, and uh, it's it's just crazy how many people there are that are like that, and the the anger is justifiable, man. It's absolutely justifiable. Well, I mean, the church is a the church is a judgmental place for yeah. so many different congregations. Um, whether the church that we're attending now doesn't feel like that for us. But a church I went to last to the church, whatever, you know, those types of things, all it takes is one woman or man or one family in a church to turn somebody away for life from mm-hmm. being in a church. And I've always said, you know, I've, you know, whenever I was growing up and we'd have people come to the church and give their testimonies, you know, the testimony feels a whole lot more real and strong from somebody that was down on her luck, living on Skid Row, shooting up heroin and drinking mm-hmm. and prostituting, and then turned her life around. You said and prostituting. Now here. Yeah. <laughs> you sound country you know? as hell. They was out there prostituting. Prostituting. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that kind of a testimony kind of jerks your tears a little more than sure. somebody that grew up in church their whole life and never faltered and had kids and married the preacher's son, and he's a preacher now. And, you know, it's like, all right, you haven't had tribulations and troubles in your life. Yeah. But you don't know. You No one walks in anybody else's shoes. I mean, you yeah. can have – that's why how many times you see these rich people or these lottery winners and stuff have all this money and everything they want, and they're miserable and suicidal and all these things. And on the outside, you know, us that are, you know, eating beans for dinner, you know, yeah. just hoping that we can get that government check soon, right? Yeah, bro. <laughs> uh, we know we're yeah. all like, what are you mad about? But we yep. don't know what they're going through or what their mind's doing or any of these things. And, man, it's a it's a personal journey and a personal um, struggle all yeah. at the same time. Um, yeah. Whether you're the best Christian or you're an atheist or whatever you want to classify whoever as, it's the simple fact of we have to either own up to it and answer to it or we don't. You know, I don't know, man. It's like I said with karma earlier. Is it real? Is it not real? Is there something bigger? Is there not something bigger? You know, for me, I personally believe there is something bigger that, you know, I'm going to have to be judged for later. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, I mean, there's, what is there, seven, 70 billion people in the world or however many people there are. <laughs> it's eight billion. If there are 70 billion. I'd be like, God, there'd be billion. seven people living in my room right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these people, seven billion people on the earth. And yeah. how many different things are going on right now in so yeah. many people's lives and so many different religions and families and kids and parents and grandparents. And, you know, this pandemic has done nothing but let people know, like, whatever you were that worried about doing tomorrow mm. isn't that. Big. Yeah, you man. Know? Like, yeah. you know, I saw I saw something funny on Facebook. Somebody said, uh that crazy lady running around in your neighborhood, don't call the cops on her. It's just your neighbor without her makeup and eyes. Done or, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, we're all so worried about looking a certain way. Every time we go out, you got to look perfect. And yeah, you now it's like, man, who cares? Yeah. Like, I got a dead in the ground. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's true. And I, so my question to you here is, 
you said that, you know, you talked about judgment. Are you, does it ever, or do you ever think or ask yourself, am I doing this because I'm scared? Yeah, man, for sure. I think, um, the hellfire and damnation, uh, revivals that I can remember going to growing up, um, you know, I mean, you'd have these old 75 year old country pastors coming in and the, for five nights preaching a revival at your country church. And it's just, yeah. Turn from your wicked ways. You're going to the fiery hell. And you know, it was a scare tactics type of mm-hmm. preaching. I think that's kind of fallen to the wayside. Now you don't see too many mainstream yeah. churches. You know, it's more of a comfort message and things, but, um, do you think that that message is still take, had enough, has an effect on you though? Um, I feel like I mean, it does just from what you've said. Yeah, I mean, I do for sure for the fact of, you know, I, I believe that there is a heaven and a hell. Um, me personally, I do. And I want to know that, I mean, I want to live a good life and have fun and do all these things. But at the same time, you know, if, if I die and go to heaven and I do have to stand at the judgment table there, I want to know that I'm going into heaven and I'm not going to be sure. thrown in hell. Um, I don't know if you've ever went down the rabbit hole on YouTube and Google with people that have uh, like died on the operating yep. table. And sure have, bro. Back. Oh my gosh. Talk about hurt your heart a little bit. man. Yeah. Some of the stories of these people that didn't know God or weren't in the church or religion at all. And then they give these tales of going to hell and seeing all these crazy rooms of people chained and ch- it's like, all right, if that is real, I don't want to go there. You yeah. know, I mean, like, what's it hurt for me to, you know, think I'm doing better for myself and my family and being a Christian that I was raised to be that I have felt is right for my whole life. Yeah. Um, I haven't had anything happen. Uh, I say happen or in my life that uh, has ever made me want to not be a Christian. You know yeah. what I mean? I've never, I've never felt um, like I don't know answers and I question a lot of things, but I've never felt like uh, God wasn't real. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah. I, you know, for me, I've, I've thought that, or I think that what matters most to me is, is a truth. And that truth is that if, if this idea of judgment or something exists, I can say with all the confidence in my heart and all the confidence in my soul that I lived a authentic life as myself. I think that there are so many people that are out there that are living their lives for other people or for other reasons, and they might be going to church because they're scared. I want to go to a place because I'm not scared. I want to believe in something because I'm not scared of anything. And therein lies whatever we want to call it. And it's it's almost like one would think of it as like a freedom. And this freedom that I have, and it, truthfully, I remember, I remember the moment when I realized that I was living a, a lie. I just, not even so much, I guess it was a lie. I just wasn't, I wasn't myself. And I would. Dude, I was depressed. I cried. I, oh my fucking god, I cried, bro. I this lost when you it. Dad? No, no, it was just this. It was this. This moment probably happened. I was probably 
26, 27 maybe. And I realized like, holy shit, I've been living this life completely as someone else. I've, I've been living, trying to please other people. I would do things to just to, you know, just to make other people happy. And mm-hmm. that, that was a lot of things I did. And, and I remember like my first two or three therapy sessions, because and I tell people that it's, it's totally fine to go and see a therapist. And so like sure. my first yeah. two or three ther- therapy sessions, I was sitting there and I was just like, dude, I don't know what in the hell I've been doing this entire time. I've just been living as someone else. And, you know, even now I'm just, I'm 33 years old, you know, probably since when it really hit the, like for me to stay authentic I have to do what I do now and go out there and sort of get learn stories from people and do, run this podcast and just talk about different things and, and routinely put myself through the grinder. Um, but that moment when I realized I wasn't living as myself, I, I told myself, I was like, this shit isn't going to happen again. Every choice that I make <laughs> is going to be something done out of my volition. So now I, it's it's a funny joke when like my friends want me to go do something. I'm like, oh, nah, yeah, it. yeah. It's just the type of person I am. <laughs> I, I, don't, nah, I don't, I don't feel like doing it. You know, you know. I remember I'm the, the uh, <laughs> I remember when they, uh, it was our, uh, I can't remember what it was. I, it was a big event that a lot of people wanted. What was it? But they wanted me to go to there, and I was just like, nah, I ain't doing it. <laughs> like you know five before it started. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I'm just, um, don't you love that feeling though? Oh, dude, it's great. It's it really doesn't great. bother you one bit to sit no. down and just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And so I want, I would hope that if there is something out there, it knows my heart. It knows that I 100% was authentic. I was fallible. I fucked up a lot. But that's, that is, I couldn't ask for any better of a life with all the problems, you know, and, and I got, I got shit weighing on me now, dude, but it's just like, at least I put myself in a position to feel it, dude, just to, to authentically feel it and to talk to friends and to, to reach out and to just, and to be able to label my emotions when I'm feeling sad or worried or scared or something like that. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's such a good feeling being able to have that. You just let those feelings come now. I mean, is that yeah, something dude. that you, yeah, you just I do. accept them, roll mm-hmm. with them, and when they're gone, they're gone? Yeah, yeah. That And that's how I do it. And and it's taxing sometimes, but uh, sure. it's – and it, it makes me – others would think that, like, I'm possibly insecure or something, but I find – I find a little bit of security in my insecurity, if that makes any sense. Mm, like yeah. I've just, I've just own it, dude. And like, I own the questions that I have about religion. I own the doubts and the, and the disagreements that I have with it, but at least I'm fucking real about it, you know? And if yeah. something, if you're not hiding it for anybody. Yeah. And it's only a, a deity that has been humanized. It's only, a, a, or rather only a human would say that I'm wrong for, living a life authentically i would hope that a god if there if there is one thinks at a way higher level that i can understand and just be like oh yeah yeah, you thought that okay like next welcome you know welcome to wherever (laughs) it is hey guess what it's not perfect here the cowboys are still a football team there's all this (laughs) other shit going on you know what i mean but like here come in you know come on in and and i would for me i would have to think that there is no person above or below 
any sort of grace, any sort of forgiveness, any sort of even if they don't ask for it, because we don't ever know when the right time is to ask for anything. We're just sometimes I'm just fortunate enough to recognize the times when I'm just like, fuck, I, I shouldn't have said that or I should have done better or something. And, you know, this makes me think of the like we came up with a con with a concept and maybe you've heard of it um, where we call it like taking the gloves off. Have you heard us talk about that? Yeah. 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 yeah and like, and or uh, was that the same thing as um, playing without your queen? No, no, no. The taking the gloves off is like whenever you. Um, so in the in MMA, do you remember me talking about the connection with MMA? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that you know, obviously, for for those of you who don't know, the the idea of taking the gloves off, and and I, I feel pretty confident because I'm pretty sure we came up with that. But it's like in MMA, they they used to say there was a thing that they were floating the idea of removing the gloves. From from the fighters, because when your hands are protected, you do you have way less regard for the damage that you do to someone's face when you hit them. I mean, and you can do some crazy damage if you've ever put on like MMA gloves or boxing gloves, bro, you're you feel invincible. And so when we (laughs) when we disagree with someone or when we argue with someone, when you have the gloves on, bro, it doesn't it hurts you way less to do damage to someone. And I learned that especially and it happens worse with the people that you're closest to and bro i learned that when when me and my wife fight bro we throw haymakers son you know it used to be like that you know what i'm saying it used to be like throwing haymakers but then like you know probably a year year and a couple months when when we sort of thought that i was like oh my god I'm kind of a dick when I argue, you know? <laughs> and so it's like learning when I learned yeah. to take the gloves off, like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to look at the, the damage that you do with the things that you say when, when the gloves are off, when you fight, you have a higher risk of breaking your own hand when, when you punch someone with just your bare hand. And so taking those gloves off, I have more, uh, uh, awareness of the, of the damage that I do. Cause when I see the damage that it does, it, it it hurts me too. And so I try yeah. to choose my words and I try to say the right thing. So that same thing extends even to my projection of my ideas of faith and stuff like that. If we were to all take the gloves off when we're talking about our beliefs, we can see sometimes it's not about, it's never about being right or wrong. Sometimes it's just about being heard, you know? And that's, yeah. that's a lot, especially people in the, in the atheist community or the people in, the agnostic or even like Chris, a lot of times people are in those camps because of some bad shit that happened. You know, there's always was, some uh, kind of witness, right? Yeah. It's Jehovah witness, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's always some kind of thing that, that kind of happens or some moment that kind of makes you go like, no, nah, this, this shit isn't right. You know? And so <laughs> yeah. sometimes we all just want to be heard. And I think that that is going to be the key for a lot of us taking the gloves off is going to be the key for a lot of us having some kind of understanding or even just, I mean, it's just about understanding or just, just an openness, if you will, to learning about faith or learning about people who don't have it. And, and just being like, man, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. You know, we're all, I'm, I'm pulled to Andy. Yeah. You got a five o'clock show too. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) No, but if people would just uh, maybe accept that they're not, maybe they're not right all the time. Yeah. In general, like whether it's in a fight or just religion, like what if what I believe is not the same of what a Mormon believes or Muslim or whatever the case may be, 
we don't know what's right. Maybe it's a little bit of all of this exactly, is right, man. And it's truthfully um, it's what makes you feel good. You said it right there. You said it's a feeling that you get when you're at church. You feel good. And I'm just like, bro, do what feels good then, especially right. if it allows you to be a better person to other people, especially if it allows you to show to show gratitude. And you've heard us say before, gratitude pursued will always elude, but gratitude given will always return. Like if this thing yeah. gives you the ability to show gratitude to, to all the shit that you have or just the universe in general, bro, it's it's going to become infectious. You know, other people right. are going to buy in. They're going to be like, oh, shit, what's you know? What's Jeremy on? Let me let me figure out what that is. And that was truthfully one of the things that drew me to to Adam. The dude is just full. He's just grateful. He's just yep. a grateful, dude. And so I don't know, man. That's he's a, a young dude too, man. That's yeah. the cool thing. Like he's not the typical, like I said earlier, seventy five year old preacher coming in three piece suit that's gonna, you know, I don't know. You just kind of have that some of that, you know, that old school feeling yeah, of these old school preachers and stuff and man like half the time he's not dressed up like that and yep. he dresses like Barack cool. Obama we joke on him about that <laughs> yeah, that's how he dresses yeah, I bro think, I think I can see that man <laughs> I bet when he's at home he wears sweatpants with a tucked in sweatshirt me and Chris have joked oh, about that. <laughs> man I get made fun of because I tuck every shirt in Are like, you if you see me at the gym dude I got my t-shirt tucked into my shorts mainly <laughs> for my gut doesn't hang out when I'm doing yeah, those yeah. lat pull downs though you know that's hilarious <laughs> that's but yeah stuff. dude it's like crazy man like yeah I mean I hope I'm right I yeah. hope I hope I am if I'm not um you know that's as I say my cross to bear <laughs> At the end of the day, dude, your thoughts and beliefs are valid, just like anyone else's. Yeah. And and I think you'll find that peace. You'll find peace in that, you know, because also at the end of the day, you don't answer for your wife. You don't answer for your kids. You don't answer for your parents. You answer for yourself. And if you feel right and if you feel at peace and if you feel that whatever it is allows you to be a better person, to to project just goodness into other people and put more goodness into the world, I'll never fault you for that. And if I think that that's good and a deity doesn't there's a problem there at least in my opinion you know what i'm <laughs> yeah, saying dude. but uh i so mean you t- gotta wonder like is 2020 the same as when jesus was walking <laughs> the earth you know like I, you know it's like if they had the internet and oh, man. cars trucks and all that you know what i'm saying like they'd be like shut up dude <laughs> you know they're on their their lace up jesus kicks yeah uh, dude tied up to the knees you know and it's like all right if they had some jordan sevens i bet he'd be rocking them <laughs> you know it's just a it all boils down like yeah man is it right That's is it crazy. wrong yeah this dude all right at the uh, so this is the part where i just get like do you have any shameless shout outs this is that part where you can call out anyone you can say thank you go to hell you can say i love you whatever you want this is your moment to let that out <laughs> Man, I, you know, shout out to my parents for just giving me the ability to believe what I want to believe and act how I want, you know. They raised me how they wanted to raise me that they thought was right, and uh, I'm trying to do the same for my kids. And, you know, thankful to have the small group of friends I do now because, man, when you start looking for your thing, which I haven't found yet, I don't feel that... When you start looking for it, you start losing a lot of friends that uh, mm. kind of don't 
enjoy the things that you do anymore. And sure. man, I, I welcome that, honestly. Yeah. I'm liking good, myself man. more every day that I'm uh, reclusing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the people that want to be around me doing the boring things that I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about for me. Dude, that's I just awesome, man. You bringing me on, man. No, and thank you, man. To the studio as soon as this pandemic's over, man. Yeah. 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 That real mind. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm I'm so thankful that you were able to jump on here and you know, thank you for your to your wife and your family for giving you the time to to break away from everything and, and just sit and, and chat with me, man. And and thank you for listening to to the different episodes and you know, tell more people about it, man. You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing to this, man. It's it's so weird thinking about it. It's like, man, just being authentic and having these real conversations. I mean, that's what it's all about to me, you know. And yeah, so man. the more that you have conversations with about that, you know, with your wife or with your friends or anyone, that's that's what this is. I just happen to be able to record the shit. You know what I mean? Like it's no People different. People are getting than any... tired of me talking about it, man. I think, dude, I'm a dude that just uh, signed up with Zija. That won't oh, leave yeah. you alone about. It. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, hey, man, you on podcast? You listen yeah. to this shit? Do this? They're like, no, I'm listening to music. I'm on Pandora. Oh. Leave me alone. Oh, dude, yeah, that is actually kind of funny. Someone added me just the other day, and they're like, "Clue, how's it going?" I was like, "Oh my God, how are you doing? It's been how many years?" And they're like, "What? Do you have any other sorts of income?" I'm like, "God damn it, dude, really?" Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Hard, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I I, don't yes. <laughs> Again, I do appreciate your time, man. Um, thank you yep. so much for everything. We'll definitely have you on for another episode. We, you know, we plan to have more religion discussions and just more discussions about other stuff. I just want to bring more and more people onto this. So thank you again for everything. Uh, dude, please be safe. Take care of yourself and your family. Make sure everyone washes their hands. Tell Candace I said hey. And uh, you guys dude. be okay, bro? Thanks, man. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Right, take care. Bye. All right. See ya.